Despite the rain last week, many area residents, and probably some of you here this morning, celebrated creation in its diverse manifestations at the annual All Species Day parade. The event was founded over 30 years ago to celebrate all living creatures. Even with the rain, the streets here in Montpelier were filled with people dressed as crows and tigers, lions and bears. I'm sure there were many other species represented. And here in our beautiful Green Mountain State, with our proximity to the natural world, it is especially easy to feel a connection to the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. The beauty and diversity of the natural world is all around us, in the woods, in the hills, on lakes and rivers, and in our own backyards. Now, as much as I celebrate all the creatures we share this planet Earth with, I have to admit that there is one creature I have never been particularly fond of, and that's spiders. I know, spiders get a bad rap, and they do have their place in the delicate balance of our ecosystem, but they've just never really been my favorite. Of course, I try not to pass on this disdain for spiders to my son, and we even enjoy singing the very popular nursery rhyme, The Itsy Bitsy Spider, which I'm sure you all know. As with most nursery rhymes, the precise origin of this song is unknown, and there's more than one version floating around. In one version that I recently discovered, the final verse of the song goes like this, and if you know it, you could sing it with me. The itsy-bitsy spider climbed up without a stop. She spun a silky web right at the very top. She wove and she spun, and when her web was done, the itsy-bitsy spider rested in the sun. <laughs> now, I didn't know this until recently, but the spider with her woven web is an image that has significant mythological meaning in many Native American cultures. Through stories that were passed down primarily by word of mouth, Native peoples have revered the image of Grandmother Spider or Spider Woman for her role in the creation of the world. The creation mythology of the Hopi people provides one example. In the void of creation at the beginning of time, there was Tawa, the sun god, and Spider Woman, the earth goddess, and together they sung the earth into existence, Spider Woman doing so while spinning her web. In the Navajo creation story, people travel up through four lower worlds, and at one level they are threatened by a devastating flood. But Spider Woman rescues them by weaving a web to hold them up before the water sweeps them all away. For me, these stories give new meaning to our seventh principle, our respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. And these stories highlight the possibility of female participation in creation. Some of us who may have been raised in other religious traditions were taught that divine creation was an exclusively male endeavor. 
in the Judeo-Christian tradition especially, the creator God was synonymous with Father God. God the Father brought the entire world into being, and all of humanity was born of the rib of Adam, or so the story goes. Yet even in the Judeo-Christian tradition, images of the divine feminine can be found. In mystical Judaism, Shekinah is the feminine aspect of God. Shekinah emerged in the very first act of creation. Before there was anything at all, there was Shekinah. And Shekinah became the vessel through which the universe emerged. In Christianity, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is elevated to godly proportions and in some Catholic communities is even more revered than Jesus. Other images of the divine feminine occur again and again in cultures and religions throughout time and around the world. Mother Earth, Gaia, Kuan Yin, the Buddhist mother of compassion. The common thread in all of these images and symbols is the connection through the divine feminine to creation to the source of life, and to our home, our earth. Our worship theme this month here at UCM is creation. We celebrate the creation of the natural world, and we also celebrate and reflect on our power to create. On Mother's Day and in this springtime, as the earth begins to recreate herself, we can reflect on our ability to create and nurture life. Women and men alike, people of all ages, we all have a creative spirit within us that brings into being human life, but also new ideas, new ways of living, and new ways of being in the world. Now, I believe that these creation stories and others shared by cultures and religions around the world are primarily myths created by human beings to lend some degree of reason to the mysteries of the universe. Whether scientifically true or not, the stories and myths that we create are powerful because they express what is of utmost meaning to us. The existence of stories and images of the feminine aspect of the divine creation tell me that it has always been important to human beings to have an understanding of creation that reflects the lived reality of people across the gender spectrum. Connecting images of motherhood and femininity with the divine has served the purpose of balancing out patriarchal notions of God. Notions of God as all-powerful, authoritative, and demanding our obedience. Stories of the divine feminine introduce us to the nurturing, tender, creative, and compassionate side of the sacred, and perhaps even of ourselves. This potential for the divine feminine to bring us back to another, brings us back to another possibility of what qualities we most uphold. And this potential is especially important today because I think that we all have a sense that things are not quite in balance in the world. On the whole, human beings have not been such great stewards of the earth, our home. 
We see conflict, violence, and war within our human community that destroys people's lives. In some ways, it feels as if we are in a tug of war between life-affirming and life-destroying forces. To some degree, we see this power struggle at play in the presidential campaign, especially having a female candidate in the mix. A woman candidate for president has to worry about whether she is coming across as too soft, too caring, too feminine, too weak. A female candidate gets accused of playing the woman's card, whatever that means. And I think it reveals the continuing power of a patriarchal system that any woman in power has to tone down those feminine aspects of herself to be taken seriously. This is especially sad to me because I believe that it is exactly those qualities, qualities of nurturing, of empathy, of care, and vulnerability, that we need to have any chance of redeeming this world. When we diminish those qualities in our interactions with one another, life does begin to feel solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short, as Thomas Hobbes once said. An over-masculinated society says that there are winners and losers, that power is gained through violent means, that exploitation of the weak and vulnerable is simply necessary in the survival of the fittest. Much of this type of thinking has shifted in recent human history with an increasing acknowledgement of our interdependence and necessary cooperation with one another and the stewardship of the earth. Yet the struggle still exists. And I believe our task is to live those values that do welcome all, that do say that we're all in this together and that my fate is bound up with yours. So today I invite us to reacquaint ourselves with those nurturing and life-giving aspects of ourselves. If it works for you, you might identify that as being the divine or sacred feminine available to us all. But I know that gender binaries don't really cut it anymore, as one of our youth articulated so well to us last week. And also, as our prayer suggests, there are many aspects of mothering that go beyond gender and that can be embodied and lived out by women and men alike. So perhaps we can conceive of the divine feminine less as a noun and more as a verb. Whether we identify this as a feminine quality or not, we can each nurture the nurturer within us and embrace our power to create and give life. We all can participate in nurturing and creative acts. And we have, in fact, already done this this morning. Today, we dedicated ourselves to love and nurture four children in our community. In this act, we claimed our power and responsibility to be nurturers and caregivers. The creative force within us compels us to care for others. We do this by taking care of others' physical needs. Those with children are taking care of physical needs of, of your kids from a very early age, feeding and bathing and diapering. Some of you care for spouses and other family members who also need your loving hands, caring for them in their frail state. We take care of others' emotional needs by listening to our friends in their times of trouble, by encouraging a loved one in the struggle with addiction, 
by sitting in silence with a friend struggling with depression. And we care for others by taking care of material needs, providing for our families so that they have a roof over their heads, or donating food to the food pantry or clothing to a local thrift shop. In each of these acts of caring, I believe that we are making manifest that compelling universal force that binds us all together. It is the soul of who we are, although we might sometimes forget it. The Sufi teacher Llewellyn Von Lee says, a world that is not connected to its soul cannot heal. Without participation, without the participation of the divine feminine, nothing new can be born. And I would add that without us also participating in that creation, nothing can heal and nothing new can be born. You may recall that it was about a year ago now that we were concluding candidate week. I preached from this pulpit on Mother's Day and you later vo voted to call me as your minister. Thank you again. That Sunday, I also talked about our power to create and to co-create. I preached about our power to collaborate with love, to create justice in the world, and it has been a joy to see and participate with you in new creations of healing, love, and justice since August. One of our beloved hymns that most illustrates the creative potential in our religious community for me is Spirit of Life by Carolyn McDade. It's a hymn that we sing almost every Sunday. And when we sing this hymn, we sing of a spirit that moves through the world, blowing in the wind, rising in the sea, stirring compassion, and giving life the shape of justice. The spirit of life is a spirit of creation, and we are its co-creators. I pray that we might participate in the creation of new ways of being and living with one another on this precious planet as nurturers and caretakers of one another and of all creation. Like Grandmother Spider, may we weave a web of connection that holds us all together and keeps us all afloat. So may it be. Amen.